Dateline, Luanda, Angola. Today we're in Musek, an unpaved, informally organized neighborhood. We might be in the enormous Musek called Sambizanga, or Kazenga, or Rangel. We're at a party in a quintala backyard, and there's a DJ playing electronic dance music on big booming speakers specially rented for the occasion. People are dancing. Maybe they're singing along with Seben's voice. Hello, Georges Collinet and Ned Sublet with you on Afropop Worldwide from PRI, Public Radio International. Today, episode number two of our four-part epic Hip Deep Angola. 21st century urban Angola. Kizomba, Kuduru, Afro House and beyond. We'll hear how the streets communicate by electronic music and text messaging. Hip Deep Angola is one of our biggest Afropop worldwide projects ever. My longtime colleague, Ned Sublet, co-author of the book, The American Slave Coast, flew to Luanda, Angola this summer to produce these amazing episodes. Ned, did you get to interview Sebeng? Well, no. Well, why not? That's your job. Um, he was in jail. Ugh. He's out now, though, after serving a 10-month sentence that came out of an incident in which he mouthed off to a cop at a traffic infraction stop or something like that. He hasn't spoken in public yet that I know of. Well, now, Ned, who will we talk to today? Baby, I interviewed Tatika, the whirlwind Kuduro diva who is the first out gay, let alone transgendered, star in African popular music that I know of, and that's huge. And Cabo Snoop, who's become a pan-African star performing all over the continent. And Osnamayer, also known by their stage names of Príncipe Ouro Negro and Presidente Gasolina. Hmm, that's Prince Black Gold and President Gasoline. And from the Bairro of Marsal, Afro House beatmaker DJ Satellite demonstrates how he puts a beat together. And lots more coming up on this hour of Afro Pop Worldwide Hip Deep Angola Part 2. Kicking it off with Sebeng and Calaboca, which means Shut Your Mouth. Hey, wait a minute, Nate. No, not you. That's the title of the song. E agora, são elas, ou são eles? <risos> Epa, fica só assim, estamos já aqui nós todos. Eu e, ai, eu e. Oh, man. 
a gente sabe que houve esquilho. Oh, então como é possível? O avilo está nos levar na grande festa da sua dama. Na hora do próprio, quer dizer, até se mambo do próprio aniversário do parabéns. A moa está a ser beijada pelo outro avilo. Eu Eu passo embora, meu. Se nós estamos a separar, voltamos a fazer papel de quê? Na banda, muita dica, muito de que lengo. Mas porque quem, 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 rei da paróquia. Ah, porque ai, ai, mais do que ninguém aqui. Me supera na festa. Tão a linkardir. Cala a boca! Cala a boca! Tá calado! Cala a boca! From Luanda, Angola, that's Sebeng, foundational figure of the style called Kuduru. I'm Georges Collinet. And I'm Ned Sublet on Afropop Worldwide. Major support for Afropop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Humanities and the National Endowment for the Arts. So, Ned, what was it like spending all that time in Luanda? It was challenging. But like anywhere, once you learn the ropes, you're cool. I remember it wasn't even easy for you getting into the country. DJ Satellite, give me a beat. You have to be invited to apply for a visa by someone in the country. There's very little tourism in Angola. There are passport checks between the provinces. There's a 16-hour direct flight from Houston to Luanda. Most of the foreigners in Angola are working with NGOs, with construction companies, and with the oil extraction industry on which the country's wealth depends. So what's it like on the ground in Luanda, Ned? Luanda's the most expensive city in the world. Or maybe Tokyo. A cafeteria-style steam table serve yourself and weigh the plate lunch in a modest, clean place that would cost you $13 in New York City can easily cost you $35 in Luanda. Meanwhile, if you're a laborer, $100 a month is a good salary, and you might get paid four months late. So what do ordinary people eat for lunch? A candonguero, a minibus taxi driver, might have an avocado. You might buy oranges and bananas on the street. Or you'll go to a woman sitting in the dirt of the unpaved streets cooking with charcoal and a brazier made from a brick drum, smoke pouring out into the air. She'll have a couple of flats of eggs and she'll cook you up too. Slice open a piece of bread and you've got a sandwich. Or you might go hungry. Angola's territory was a war zone for 41 years until 2002. And there's a lingering sense of paranoia and suspicion. If you take pictures or shoot video on the street, the people may think you're an informer and the police may think you're a spy. I got interrogated on the street. It's not uncommon. Angola is a large country, but the countryside is depopulated, with much of the land unusable because it's mined. It was first depopulated by the slave trade and more recently by war. Luanda, which is on the Atlantic coast and was founded by the Portuguese more than 400 years ago, is approaching megacity status with maybe 8 million people. It's filled up with people from all over the country's 18 provinces, coming from a number of different ethnic groups, Mbundu, Bakongo, Ovimbundu, Chokwe, and others. Many Luandans live on unpaved streets without running water. There are very serious sanitation problems. The government was running ads while I was there, boasting that the average life expectancy has been raised from 48 to 52. 
As in many African countries, the number one cause of death in Angola is malaria, though that problem is not as bad in Luanda as some other parts of the country. The streets are all about hustle. They're full of zungueros, peddlers, women carrying every imaginable kind of merch on their heads, and endless shoeshine guys. You have to clean your shoes every day because of the dust. During the dry season, dust gets into everything and Luanda becomes a big dust cloud. It's the dust of unpaved streets, of dried sewage and trash, of demolition and construction, and the exhaust of vehicles, not a few of them belching black smoke, that choke the paved streets and make for chaos at the many intersections without traffic signals. My recordings from Luanda are full of coughing. During the rainy season, of course, that dust becomes mud. When the link internally between Kwando Kubango and Mushiku becomes a reality, government is already working on that. And when the links between Wambu Bie and Mushiku become a, a reality, then this, will, this corridor will greatly facilitate the development of central, southern, and eastern Angola. We already have a very good existing road and rail link. Meanwhile, the infrastructure of the whole country has to be rebuilt, even as landmines are still being cleared. The construction bonanza that's going on is unbelievable. They have to build a whole new infrastructure. Highways, railways, water projects, 20 airports, a bridge across the Congo River. They're demolishing much of what remains of Luanda's colonial architecture to replace it with a corporate high-rise skyline. Skyscrapers going up everywhere. Condos. It must be a very exciting time in a lot of ways. Oh, it is. There's a general agreement that this is way better than war. A lot of people are wondering if all the improvements will actually reach the poor. But patriotic sentiment is strong that the country will move forward. The key phrase from this record by Virgilio Faya from the early days of peace is Angola sempre a subir, which means Angola always going upward. And remember that phrase, sempre a subir. We'll come back to it later in the show. Ned, how did music change during all the years of war? Ultimately, it became electronic. When did this changeover happen? I dated to the 80s, which is why we're going to start today with... Kizomba! Kizomba was the big thing that happened between Simba and Kuduru. Although Kizomba isn't a fully electronic music and it is played by skilled musicians, it's done to mechanically generated tempo, uses mechanical rhythms, and it's a music for club DJs to mix in and out of. Rhythmically, it's easy to recognize. It's basically the Antillian beat, the habanera, the tango, whatever name it takes. Sounds kind of like Zouk. Basically, Kizomba is Zouk, which is also to say at times it sounds a lot like Haitian compao. How did that happen? I'd been wondering about that ever since I visited Lisbon 20 years ago and heard this, I thought, amazing record called Manhã de Domingo, Sunday Morning. Manhã de Domingo which you played on the Afropop Worldwide show A Visit to Lisbon in 1992. I'm amazed you remember that. And I'm amazed how long ago it was. 
I talked to Angola's most important music critic, Jomo Fortunato, who reminded us how everything shut down over decades of war. Jomo is saying the Kizomba phenomenon appears in the period after the record companies shut down. There's no music. Meaning no music being produced in Angola. And into that comes Zouk from the Antilles with Les Aiglons, Kassav, Tabu Combo, Experience 7, etc. Kassav are huge stars in Angola today, and with all the money in that town, it's an important market for them. When I was in Luanda, Georges, the present day version of Kassav played a show. There were teenage girls waiting for them in the streets with We Love Kassav signs. Jomo Fortunato is saying the Grand Heralds, representatives of Kizomba at the time of its origin, were Eduardo Payne, Ricardo Abreu and Ruka Van Dunyami with the song Manha de Domingo. Na tentativa de imitarem o Zouk, criaram a Kizomba. In trying to imitate <laughs> Zouk, they created Kizomba. I talked to Marissa Mormon, historian at Indiana University. Dr. Mormon says that Kizomba started at the national radio station where the technicians who did the recording had access to instruments as well. We see Eduardo Paim, who's a very young and talented musician who had grown up in exile, largely in Brazzaville, because his father was involved in the MPLA, in the exile movement. Bruno Lara, who's the son of one of the main political figures in the MPLA, Lucio Lara, who's working at the radio station in a technical capacity, but also begins to play electric guitar. Nelson do Nascimento in this band that begins to form called SOS. And they're one of the first new bands to emerge in Luanda, and they emerge out of the radio station where they're spending lots of time and where they happen to have some instruments. And there's another band called Africa Tropical, and Eduardo and these guys are often borrowing instruments from this other band because of the economic crisis that's affected Angola because of the civil war. A lot of the instruments that used to exist have disappeared. There are no new instruments being imported. And there's a real shift in terms of what's available in terms of instruments and also in terms of the cultural presence of music. And Semba's been a little bit eclipsed. And then in the late 1980s, Kassav comes to play in Angola. And we begin to hear a lot more of these kinds of rhythms. And so SOS then begins to produce this new kind of music that eventually is called Kizomba. And that really takes off. Kizomba, 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 wawa. Kizomba, Kizomba, wawa. Ned, at the end of Hip Deep Angola 1, we closed with a number by Paulo Flores, who has become a major singer-songwriter. He started out doing Kizomba, working with Eduardo Paim. And then Eduardo begins to hook up with Paulo Flores, who's a young Angolan man who's born in Luanda but grows up mostly in Lisbon. Eduardo starts producing Paulo's music, and Paulo then begins to play the style of music that's known as Kizomba as well. And Kizomba means there's a party in my house. Kizomba's developed a lot in the last 20 years. Eduardo Paim put out an album this summer called Etu Mudieto. It's my favorite album of dance music I've heard all year. On Afropop Worldwide, Hip Deep Angola Part 2. Olha a passada, olha a passada, 
Rwanda, Angola, that's Grande Mbaya. Kizomba by Eduardo Paim. So, Ned, how has Angola changed since the war ended in 2002? There's a 21st century generation that didn't grow up in wartime, but with satellite dishes and cyber culture. There's tremendous energy. Something new is happening. The pace is different. There were no traffic jams 15 years ago, but now the streets are choked with cars. How do people communicate in this sprawling, packed city? Cell phone technology has revolutionized Africa. That's for sure. It's all over the place. People spend their lives text messaging, voice communication being more expensive. Even people at street level feel their time being measured out in money. 
A saldo, or phone card that gives you a certain number of credits, costs $9. Doing anything requires many text messages, so one of the things people hustle for is more cell phone time. So Ned, why don't you tell the people what Kuduru is? I wouldn't presume, but let me bring on a very special guest, my Kuduru running buddy in Luanda, Stephanie Alish, who knew the ropes way better than I did. I see she's a German musicologist. German musicologists have changed since I was a kid. She's the founder of the Groove Research Institute in Berlin. She DJs under the name Steph the Cat. DJ Walter Lalton. Come on. She came up DJing in the Berlin post-wall party scene while she ran a bar in an apartment and commuted to Dublin for a monthly DJ residency. She DJed in a number of European countries, then spent a year in Brazil, where she threw parties. She's not a party animal herself, though. She's very focused, returns text messages immediately, speaks excellent Portuguese, and this year in Luanda, she co-organized the first-ever Kuduru conference. Kuduru is electronic music from Angola and the Angolan diaspora. And when I say music, I mean music in the widest sense, including dance and media distribution, all wrapped in one. I also spoke to Luanda's own Joaquin Daji, another co-organizer of that conference and the author of the first book about Kuduru, published in Angola, whose title translates to Kuduru, a kingdom without a king or a crown. Kuduru, Joe is saying Kuduro is a strong artistic and cultural movement that began in the 80s. The fruit of massive consumption of foreign music and above all, electronic music. Estamos a falar do techno, estamos a falar do house music e das danças que eram break dance. A juventude angolana nesse período foi experimentando. He says, we're talking about techno, house music and dances like break dance. The Angolan youth at that time were experimenting with those flavors, those rhythms, looking for how to do it their way. Angolanize the instrumentation, angolanize the beats, speed it up. And they created their own rhythms. I asked him what part of town Kuduru was from. Saiu do centro do centro da cidade para os Joe is saying that Kuduru came out of downtown. That is the paved part because it started in Luanda's downtown scene. Out of downtown to the Museks, the popular neighborhoods which are unpaved. To the Museks, to the ghettos, and then it returned downtown where it was massified. Only now it had the clothes, the face, the lifestyle, the speech, the social level of the people who were doing Kuduru in the popular neighborhoods. Ned, what's the name Kuduru mean? It means um, hard butt cheeks. <laughs> oh, Duru means hard and Ku means ass. It was a shocking name. Before it was called that, it was just called Batidas or Beats. Stephanie Alish. Kuduru started to accumulate in Luanda in the early 90s when people went to discotheques such as the Banca, Pandemonium to listen to electronic music, which at the time was Chicago House, but also Eurodance that the DJs were playing with vinyl records. MCs were MCing in the sense of being a master of ceremony, holding a night together. 
hyping up the crowd and the dancers and dancers came on stage to show their dance moves and the dance moves had specific names such as Gato Preto, Azucaro, Kasumuna, Bungula. And then in 1996, the dancer and MC Tony Amado released a song called Amba Kuduru Mamai, which means dance the stiff bottom, mama. And that name stuck and it turned into the name of the genre. So, in a time of dance crazes, Tony Amado came with a hard-ass dance that he said was inspired by a move he saw Jean-Claude Van Damme do in a movie. Marissa Mormon. One of the things that I remember about music in Angola when I first went there in 1997 was, despite the fact that it was very hard to find any live music, when I went out dancing at night to clubs, there was an amazing variety of music being played at those discos. DJs played music from all over the world. Whereas if I went out in Chicago, you went to one club to hear salsa and another club to hear techno and another club to hear 80s music. You know, Angolan DJs played a huge variety of music in any single club. There was a tremendous diversity of music. So we see then in the 1990s other forms of music emerging. We see the emergence of a kind of Angolan hip hop produced by a sort of young Angolan elite. And we see the emergence of a new form of music called kuduru, which means hard ass. So there was this kind of downtown scene and they start mixing these electronic forms of music that they hear with Latin beats. And there's this kind of music that they call batidash. And people are dancing to it in this somewhat novel form of dance in the sense that most Angolan forms of dance like kizamba and earlier forms of dance like samba are partner dances, they're social dances. Men and women dance these together. This is a dance that people are dancing alone. So there are these batidash and there are these particular dance moves. There's azúcar, sugar, which is one of the dance moves. Gatu Pretu, Black Cat is another one. And this guy shows up on this dance scene, Tony Amado, and he has this dance that doesn't have a name yet. And he's throwing his hindquarters around in this kind of stiff movement. Somebody calls it kuduru, hard ass, or stiff bottom. And this is the name that sticks, and then the name sticks to the music as well as this particular dance. And it sticks more to the music, and in fact, various dances take on different names. Tony Amado began giving dance classes, teaching new Kuduro dancers. But there was lots else going on in this scene. Stephanie Alish. Luis Davis, who used to be a DJ, was playing Chicago House and electronic music at these discotheques in downtown Luanda. He at the Kuduro conference said to Tony Amado, you were MCing over the tracks that I was playing at the time. So don't say that you invented the genre because you were emceeing and singing and doing crowd animation over the electronic music that I was DJing at the time. And then Louis Davis went on to say that his record company at the time released the first Kuduro record by Bruno Di Castro, his partner in the record company. Marcus Falcon told me that he went to Madrid with Bruno Di Castro with the pre-recorded tracks and recorded things there in the studio with live musicians. And that album was called No Fear by Bruno Di Castro. I think 
very interesting to see that the diaspora is so important because not only was the Bruno de Castro album recorded in Spain, Tony Amado also recorded his first album in Boston. Okay, pessoal, vai começar a grande rave. Está tudo posto. Os DJs já começaram a chegar. Estão cá os melhores DJs da bola. And Sebei uh, live in Portugal or between Portugal and Luanda in the 1990s. And apparently he was an MC at raves in Portugal. And that's where he picked up the practice of throwing techno parties. That's where he got to know this style of partying and he emceed in Luanda as well at raves but also at his radio show. Sebeng also became known for his producing work and his great energy. Stephanie Alish attended an event he organized in Cidadela Stadium in August 2011. He organized a football game in the morning and a Kuduru show that went from the afternoon well into the night. And it was very interesting to see how he moderated the show to the masses who were in the stadium. And then he went backstage and picked the next person to come on stage. Basically, the, the ranks there were filled with Kuduristas waiting to come on and he picked them rather spontaneously. He just said, you come on, you come on now, you come on now. And it was very interesting to see that even at such a large scale event, things happen pretty much on the fly. And he's very, very good at that at maintaining, holding, pulling the whole event together in the function of an MC really as a master of ceremony. He dominates the stage. Semei is an MC gifted beyond imagination. He has a very flamboyant way of dressing. Have you ever watched any of the TV shows that he presented? Every other week his hair would be pink or blonde or blue. To read Ned Sublet's complete interviews with our guest scholars and to see some of Ned's photos of Luanda, including pictures of some of our interviewees today, go to our fabulous website, afropop.org. I'm Georges Collinet, and you're listening to Afropop Worldwide from PRI, Public Radio International. And now it's time to bring in another figure, Kuduru's number one fan, an Angolan who I thought was an American when I first met him because his English was so natural. I'm from Angola originally, from Luanda, Ngombota Municipality, which means I'm from the downtown area of, of Luanda. Koreondu. I was raised in the U.S. mainly. I uh, grew up in the Virginia, D.C. area. That's where I finished elementary school after leaving Angola, and I went to college in Loyola University, New Orleans. Loyola was a great experience because, you know, it's Jesuit education. They throw a lot of things at you because they want you to be ready for any situation. I did get a very diverse 
education. There are a lot of things that I didn't even know I was going to use <laughs> after I graduated, which are very useful because I studied mass communication and business administration. Corion Du studied branding in college in New Orleans, and when he returned to Angola, he started trying to modernize the look of Angolan advertising. Vamos convidar para o palco do bounce. Among the other things he did, he created a dance contest on national TV called Bounce. He's also a singer. Because, you know, I'm African, so I like rhythm. Things like New Orleans Bounce and even like the Dirty South hip hop, as opposed to the other genres, is that although, you know, a lot of the rap portion of hip hop in other regions focus more on message rather than dancing, the southern hip-hop genres and subgenres do focus a lot on, you know, you can have your message in there, but you have to have a nice beat so that you can, your body can actually move to it. And I think I will really relate it to that. Now, I would be derelict in my duty as a reporter if I didn't mention that Corion Du is one of 11 children of the president of Angola. We'll just say, yes, he's had advantages, including a great education, and he's very good at what he does. He's a partner in a company called Simba Communications. In a country where people who don't have running water do have satellite dishes, Simba was hired to get people watching Angolan TV. We were doing a lot of brand consulting and sort of traditional advertising projects, and all of a sudden we got this huge project in around 2007, which was that one of the local TV stations, or actually the only local TV station at the moment, because all the other ones were foreign and coming by satellite, wanted to rebrand one of their channels, which was a huge challenge because they had no viewership whatsoever. So they sort of wanted to give us a task of, okay, we need to find a way to get people watching local television again, because everyone was watching satellite. They weren't selling you know, a lot of advertising. So that's another thing that sort of helped us put Simba on the map locally, was the fact that, you know, in less than a year, we were able to rebrand a TV channel that had very little interest to becoming sort of the highest rated, <laughs> highest rated in the country. But we did have to do everything from, you know, the image to providing a lot of education to the people who actually worked there every day and trying to speak in a way that's a bit more true to who's watching. Because one thing that really bothered me when I was watching TV occasionally is that I felt that I was in Portugal. The way people did TV was either very European or very Brazilian. They weren't really speaking to the local consumer. There was a lot of formality. So that's something that we sort of threw out. And so that's the thing that I think as a producer really made me proud was that we were able to make television look a bit more like the people who are watching it, and less so how, you know, everyone else thinks it should be. Corion Du executive produces Sempre a Subir, the weekly national Angolan TV program dedicated entirely to Kuduru. It shows the influence of MTV, but it's very spontaneous. It's an amazing show, both in terms of how the program flows, which is improvisational, but also in terms of what it represents. Both Stephanie Alish and Marissa Mormon have been guests on. Stephanie described the show's action. The basic format is interviews with two people that are then supposed to start beefing each other. <laughs> they interview first, where do you come from, what's your neighborhood, what's your style, do you think you're the greatest? <laughs> <laughs> and why do you think you're the greatest? And then they try and instigate some kind of beef between them. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. 
And then they play Kuduro videos in between. The host of Sempre a Subir was Seben, who brought instant street cred to the show. The show had a crisis in 2011 when he went to jail. Seben couldn't go on TV, though he didn't stop doing what he does. Stephanie Alish. He put together a Kuduro group in jail. We were supposed to visit him, but it was impossible because he was busy performing in other jails with the new troupe he put together. The show went off air for I don't know how long, a short period. And then the duo Osnamair, or better known as Presidente Gasolina and Principe Oro Negro, took over the role of anchorman for the show. They are two very flamboyant contrasters. My Luanda experience improved after I met Prince Black Gold and President Gasoline. It was a real privilege for me to hang with them. They're nice people, hard workers, they're really young. They're cousins who, for seven years, have been developing a theatrical partnership, a duo in which they think and act as a unit. They're inventive physical comedians, they're awesome dancers. When I interviewed them, I asked their names, and this is how Principe Oro Negro responded. They created their own slang, or a portuguesaire. They stretch some vowels and put different intonations on the Portuguese that they're using. So you have to grow accustomed to it to understand them. <laughs> it's one of the trademark features, it's their own language that they created. I don't think I've mentioned yet that haircuts in Luanda are competitive. Mohawks are big, all sorts of hair sculpting is big, bleaching is big. Principe Oro Negro has the hair on the right half of his head, bleached white, and the other side, black. If you look at him in profile, you only see one color, depending on which side you're on. Okay, o meu cabelo é loiro e preto. Eu faço a junção. Principe Uro Negro is saying, my hair is blonde and dark. I make the junction between white and black. I come to make it clear that we are all one. When I met them, they were getting ready to go perform in Stockholm, Paris and Amsterdam with the traveling Kuduro extravaganza called Uskuduristas. I asked them if being TV stars had complicated their lives. They were like, nah, things are better. They're still living in their bairro of Moro Bento and they still hang with their people. President Gasoline said, He's saying, we eat in the street together with them. We still play boil. Boil? That's their way of talking. He means ball. Okay. He's saying, we play boil. We go out into the street when we want, not only because we stay humble, but because in our bairro, we are the mirror. They have a big hit called Ingrasador, shoeshine guy, which definitely evokes the street. In such a dusty city, there's a lot of work for Ingrasadores. The dance that goes with this is a dance of wiping your shoes, ultimately bending over and raising your knee up while making a wiping motion with your arms. 
DJ David Dunn. Quem não entendeu este é um desabafo Comer a carne, partir almoço Mas esqueceram de lavar o prato Isto é que é estilo mango de sangue na veia Sempre a ferver, tipo que lá no beat de rever Mondengue você vai ver Quando a gente passa na TV Você nunca mais vai esquecer Eu não me odeio 
O corpo é que paga a história trágica Realidade amarga Temos torneiras secas rodeadas de rios Temos terrenos férteis, estômagos vazios Fica é o berço, quem tá no berço dorme Pensamos pouco e morremos à fome Aqui, no país do pai banana Pai banana Este é o país do pai banana Este é o país do pai banana Este é o país do pai banana Eu nasci aqui, a mim ninguém Democracia não enche barriga Essa frase não é minha, é um coxa antiga A imprensa privada está comprada A oposição é só fachada A liberdade está condenada A juventude só quer ser vada Manda vir outra rodada Vivemos ressacado e não exigimos nada Combatemos o alcoolismo com maratona. Em vez de moças direitas Fabricamos madonas Publicitamos menos livros Que bitolas, os filmes são iguais Balas e pistolas Em vez de palestras realizamos caldos Polícias já não querem gasosa, agora é saldo Eles adoram cabrité Todos sonham com comitê E não é só taxista que é candongueiro Aqui todos dão baia pra ganhar dinheiro Irmãos, só temos uma opção Ou acabamos com a corrupção A corrupção acaba com Angola No país do pai banana Rapper MCK with País do Pai Banana in the country of Daddy Banana. Protest doesn't get much blunter than that. Now, this is not Kuduro, right? That's right. Since Kuduro has rapping, electronic beats, a tradition of beefing, and a multimedia approach, it might seem like hip-hop. But a lot of people in the Angolan hip-hop scene have a beef with Kuduro. Hip-hop in Luanda tends to be associated with hardcore reality and with positions critical of the government. There's not a half-hour TV show dedicated to what they do, nor do they have mass audiences like the Kuduristas. They're more underground. So you have MCK, probably the best-known rapper in Luanda, rapping We Have Fertile Land and Empty Stomachs, and calling his album Proibido Uvir Isto. It's forbidden to hear this. And before that, we heard Uslambas with a hardcore Kuduro classic from a few years back, Sobe. Uslambas are Kuduristas from the Bairro of Sambizanga, who represent the gangster side of the image of Kuduru. Before Uslambas, in that last set, we heard Tuga Agressiva, whose stage name means aggressive Portuguese woman, with Wasa, Madruga Yoyo, with Dikanju, and Monastar with Dansa Kuduru. Oh, mes amis, je suis à Titica, les nouvelles étoiles, des Kuduru Angolais, et Kiboudi na Kiboudi, on s'en fout! Meanwhile, one of the most successful, outrageous music videos in the history of Kuduru, and there have been quite a few, creates an image of luxury and fun, with raunchy dancing in stretched limos, a big budget production with lots of dancing. And lots of makeup. Titika and Ari. Titika is what in the US we call a drag queen. Four years ago she had breast implants in Brazil. Out as gay, out as transgendered in Africa requires incredible courage. I think being Titika is a great act of heroism. She spoke to me about what she's experienced. Graças a Deus, esse país era um bocadinho reservado. Mas graças a Deus, aqui no país... 
Titika is saying this country was a little conservative, but thank God, the country is evolving a little. Now transvestites are not taboo. Já fui pedrejada, fui abusada, de chamada de gay, mas graças a Deus, esses que me chamaram de gay são os que me pedem namoro. She says, I had stones thrown at me. I was abused. I was called gay. But thank God, the ones who called me gay are the ones who want to be my boyfriend. Titika is the only kudurista who performs with a live band. She grew up in Luanda's Bairro Operario, but she's from a Congo family. She got started in a dance company that did Congo folkloric dance, and she loves that Congo Ndombolo style. Eu faço mistura entre câmbio cultural, entre câmbio musical. Faço 50% de kudur, 50% de ndombolo. Titika says, I make a mixture, a musical interchange. I do 50% kuduru and 50% ndombolo. Her new one, Abloa, produced by DJ De Victor, definitely reflects that. with Abloa. Much more to come. Cabo Snoop and Afro House. But first... Major support for Afropop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Humanities, the National Endowment for the Arts that believes a great nation deserves great art, and PRI, Public Radio International affiliate stations around the U.S. And thank you for supporting your public radio station. Now, Ned, what does the name Cabo Snoop mean? Cabo is corporal because he had the lowest rank in the company of Powerhouse Productions where he was a roadie, and Snoop is a homage to Snoop Dogg because they're both so skinny. 
Snoop, who's from the Musek of Kazinga, had a very big hit called Windek in 2010 when he was 19. No one expected him to become a big star, least of all him. He was coaxed into performing by his producer, the late IVM, who died as many other Angolans have in a highway accident. Now Cabo Snoop is a star all over Africa. He's appearing a lot in Nigeria, and he told me... Cabo Snoop is saying, in the last year, I have performed in Tanzania, Kenya, Congo, South Africa, Namibia, Ghana, Botswana. So, what does Windeck mean? The song was an attempt to answer that question. What does Windeck mean? Cabo Snoop is saying, the producer was very creative, and one day in his hood, he heard a young man trying to sing a number by Fat Joe, Lean Back, but in the condition he was in, he couldn't quite say it right, and it came out Windeck. It's everything that's bad. Windeck is trying to get money out of people, is trying to take advantage of tipsy girls, all of that is Windeck. Windeck is a word that exists, Cabo Snoop says, Windeck is a word that doesn't exist. It's a kind of slang. The words are called for the community to pay attention. Windeck is above all a social critique because it speaks of a series of negative things that happen here in Angola and probably in other cultures, and we are calling attention to what's wrong. The word Windeck appears in front of a situation that should not exist. It was so popular that it became a telenovela. Yes, Simba Communications debuted a soap opera named Windeck on Angolan TV while I was there, with the participation of Cabo Snoop, of course. Windeck is on aquelas boas que para partir o braço para eles comprarem postes tem que. Windeck, 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 From the Bairro of Kazenga in Luanda, that's Cabo Snoop with Windeck. isn't the only electronic dance music in town. Afro House, sometimes called Afro Beats, is growing fast. 
It sounds a lot like Chicago House, but to my ears it's a little more polyrhythmic. Stephanie took me to the Bairro of Marsal to meet 26-year-old DJ Satellite, who produces both Afro House and Kuduru. You can find him on SoundCloud. He took us into his studio. The three of us had to get close together to fit into it and showed us how he works. He uses the program called Fruity Loops. He says, normally I start with the kicks at 140 beats per minute, which is my preferred tempo and the one most used in Kuduru. Easy as that. Take us out, DJ Satellite. Extra, extra special thanks to Njinga Paiva for help with this program, and to Susan Jacobs, Aaron Goldberg, Hochi Fu, Emilia Branches, and Jesse Baca. And thanks to Stephanie Alish for supplying tracks. My Afropop partner is Sean Barlow. Sean produces our program for World Music Productions. Join us next time for another outstanding episode of Afropop Worldwide. Our chief audio engineer and co-producer is Michael Jones. Additional engineering by Mike Kaplan, Daniel Linus, and Michael Simon Johnson. Banning Air and CC Smith edit our website, afropop.org. Our director of new media is Akornefa Achia. And I am Jean Public Radio International.